Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. We've had a dynamic experience here on Leaders Lead and Winners Win with Van Malone. And, you know, we've had opportunity to have conference commissioners, head coaches, athletic directors from all over the country share their time with us. And, and today is no different. Today we have Kevin Anderson, who is the newly named Associate Athletic Director at the Air Force Academy, a longtime friend, uh, Kevin, I appreciate you for joining us. Uh, we're so excited to be able to learn from you, to, to gather your wisdom. Uh, a guy who's been a leader in athletics, not just in athletic programs, but a leader in athletics administration for many years. It's been really fun to watch your career path, Kevin. So thanks again for, for joining us today. Well, Dan, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate any time I get the opportunity to spend some time with you. So, so I'm going to jump right in, right? Okay, and, yeah, I'm you, ready. Uh, yeah, and I know you would be. <laughs> but so, so I, you and I, we met on a golf course many years ago. I was a young coach. I'm still a young coach as, as I talk to my players, but I was a young coach. And man, I was so, I was so, intimidated by meeting an athletic director and um but but when i had an opportunity to be around you to to see that you were you were just a guy who was committed to doing great things in in sports administration that's that's kind of what i what i gathered on that day uh, i just decided that that i was going to follow your career so in that vein i'm going to give the mic to you and, and let you talk to us about the path that your career has taken you from uh, being a guy who started out working for Xerox, working for the United Negro College Fund, uh, and, and who has been an athletic director in, at uh, programs, respected programs across the country. Of course, the academies, and I'm not going to mention the other academy, you can if you like. <laughs> So Kevin, take us through your through your career and uh, how things started from you, for you and to, to get you to this point. So if I recall correctly, you weren't too intimidated because I think you took my money that day. So, <laughs> well, but, uh, sometimes that happens. Um, you know, this is uh, this has truly been a blessing for me, and this is uh, uh, this is a um, ministry. 
And, uh, you know, uh, I went through an interview once and they asked me what my plan was. And I told them that a couple of years ago, I could have told you to the second, but then I found out that it's God's plan. It's not my plan. Um, they appreciated that I was a man of uh, faith, but they still wanted to know what my plan was. But, you know, uh, God's been very good to me, um, even through the trials and tribulations, because through all that, um, I I've been able to see a different direction in which I've been able to grow uh, mentally, spiritually, uh, become a better father, husband, a friend. Um, so, you know, it's just been that. But, you know, uh, my base was that, um, you know, I, I coached a couple years when I first graduated from college. And then at that moment, I decided, well, you know, I might want to make a little bit more money. So uh, <laughs> I went to the Xerox Corporation and uh, I spent 10 years there and I worked with some fabulous people and I learned a lot of great things. And I think what's helped me be successful in the athletic world is that Xerox experience on just um, how to run a large corporation and watch the people that have been successful in doing so. And just like you, they took me under their wings and they shared some very valuable uh, lessons and shared tools with me that um, has helped me all along the way. Then when I got into the athletic world, I was able to work with some ph phenomenal athletic directors that have been very successful. And you know, I owe everything that I am today to them. But you know, I mean, man, I've learned from you. Uh, one of the things, and the reason why I'm so excited to get back and go to the Air Force Academy is that I go to work every day and I'm gonna learn something. And then the other thing is uh, what I truly missed about not being in the arena for a while is my interaction and working with these phenomenal young people and the great coaches and the great minds that I've been around. So, you know, um, uh, I've been able to take all of that and put it together. And then, you know, I've been able to see what's been successful and what works for me and uh, what hasn't worked for me. And so um, with all that, you know, uh, I've been very fortunate. I've had a great career and now I'm going to extend that in intercollegiate athletics. You know, I'm looking at the challenges that you face and I will face today. Um, it's changing, but you know, uh, I think that if we do this in the right manner, the changes that we're looking at now, uh, we can make them positive and make it better. The thing that uh, concerns me about intercollegiate athletics is I believe we've lost the value of the scholarship. And we don't talk about that much. And I think we let people dictate our narrative and we need to go out there more and uh, share the stories of the success that, I mean, look at you and look at me and others of us have uh, in, in participating in intercollegiate athletics. I mean, if you listen to the news and you read the newspaper and everything else, you know, it, it doesn't paint a good picture for us. And I mean, the things that we're able to achieve for all these great young people, um, you know, it, it, it's tremendous. And so I, I just hope that uh, our leadership sees that we need to come up with a plan, talk about the plan and our vision on how we're going to, you know, continue to produce these great young people into productive citizens in our country. Right, and you and you you've done a great job of that. And and you know, sometimes when when you are, you call it the arena. Sometimes when you're in the arena, you don't you don't necessarily realize the impact that you are making. 
right? You, as a coach, for me, I've had young people that I've coached over the years, and uh, I'm telling them, I'm giving them these lessons, and I swear at that moment that they're not listening. But then when they come back 10 years later and they give me the report, they show me the fruit, they show me the jobs that they attain, they show me their kids. And, you know, there's some guys I'm saying, you, you what? You have a son, <laughs> right? Um, and so, so to you, uh, you may not realize it as much as you should, but you have had tremendous impact on a lot of young coaches and a lot of student athletes. I've talked to many who have worked with you who have been in programs where you've been in charge and I know my experience with you. Uh, so, so we have a long way to go, but guys like you uh, over the course of your career, 35 plus years, have, have definitely been leading us in the right direction. So speaking of leading, you know, you, you've had an opportunity to form staffs and uh, you, you've been in charge, you've been in the seat in many uh, places. How would you say your leadership style has changed over the years, or has it? Well, I guess it has, but I want to go back and address something that you said, because you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. My measurement on my success is not the four years, the five years that I have these young people. It's after that, when you're in the grocery store, you're at the airport, and yeah. as you say, they come up to you and say, Mr. Anderson, this is what I'm doing now. Uh, this yes. is my significant other. This, these are my kids and everything else. Thank you for what you did. I mean, that, that's my gift. Yes. You know, when they give, the, you know, that, that's what makes me smile and get up and want to go to work every day. Um, you know, Van, that's a great question. So um, one of the things that I had to learn is patience. And over the years, I guess some people don't think, some people do, that I've matured where patience has become better for me. But you know, just like you and whatever I shared with you, I had the opportunity one day to uh, sit down with Frank Robinson. You know, and Frank, uh, he, he told me and I said, so <clears throat> your first job as a manager, you weren't successful. In all of your life, you had been successful. I said, so what happened and what did you have to do? And he said, you know, Kevin, <clears throat> I expected everybody to have the same work ethic as I did. I expected everybody to have the same demeanor and thought and the drive to be a competitor that I did. And soon I realized that the 25 people I had on my roster, they all didn't have that. And so I had to look at myself differently and I had a hard time adjusting because I didn't get that first. I got fired. I went and did some other things. I came back and I was able to see, and Herman Edwards shared this with me. <clears throat> you must be fair with everybody, but you can't treat them the same because everybody's not the same. Everybody's not motivated the same way. Everybody doesn't do things the same way, but it's when you're able to reach into their heart and they believe in you as a leader and they trust you, most people will do anything that you want. And then if not, and if you're managing and leading them correctly, they'll see that, they'll make the decision saying, you know, this probably is not the right place for me and they'll move on so you don't have to have that conversation. But that's only if you're leading right. If you're not leading and managing people and, and letting them know, my, well, my philosophy is 
you know, just in our competitions, there's a time and score. And as long as you have everybody know what the time and score is, there's no surprises and that you can move on. But if someone comes in, you have to have a difficult conversation with them, then you fail to let them know what the time and score is and, and share what they need to know and how to be successful. Exactly. And, and, and you spoke earlier about adversity, challenges, and uh, definitely in the last two years, we, our society, our country, our world has faced challenges. So when you look back at the last two years, what has that taught you, that adversity? Uh, and, and what is going to come of that now in your, in your seat? What has that taught you about leadership, the adversity that, that you've seen in the last couple of years? So I believe with adversity comes opportunity. And, you know, there's always something that's going to be productive and that could, productive, constructive, and that you could take from a bad situation and make it into a positive situation. So what we're facing now, uh, and particularly in intercollegiate athletics, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, there's a lot of possibilities. However, it's going to take leadership. And, you know, the one thing that I've learned and everything else, that a great leader can be vulnerable. Now, most people look at it when you talk about vulnerability and they think of it automatically as being weak, weak right. but it takes a strong leader to be vulnerable. And you have to know that in your vulnerability, there could be negative circumstances that you're going to have to face. But if you have courage and you have the soul in your heart to bring people forward together and, and work on a common goal, um, there's no way that you won't find success. And, and, you know, you always have to be flexible and have a plan. And if that plan fails, you just have to have what's next. And if it does, what are we going to do to follow it? You know, the thing I always tell people when they work for me, if you come into my office and you put something on my table and you leave it for me, then I'm going to move forward and I'm going to do what I need to do. But if you come in my office and if something failed or you have something and you bring the plan to me, then I'm going to let you do your job. But if you give me the opportunity to do your job and I see fit in doing so, I'm going to do it. And most people don't want you to get involved, but I want people that have solutions. I want people that want to be better than they are. I want people that, you know, they can deal with crisis and circumstances that might be out of their control and bring it back in their control so they could do things and move, move a team forward. Because, you know, I mean, Van, you probably know better than I. <clears throat> you could game plan and do all you want, but, you know, there's going to be circumstances in that game where things are going to change and you didn't right. really say, damn, I didn't, I didn't plan for that. Right. But it's being able to adjust, having those people that have the same will that you have, that you overcome the adversity and you make it uh, positive and you become successful in doing that. Which I think is, is huge, you know, when, when it comes to the leader. I, I tell our players this all the time, is that if, if being the leader was easy, everyone would be the leader, right? Yes. You, as yes. the leader, you have to understand how to, okay, the problem came, right? There's, there's difficulty. Most people don't want anything to do with that. The leader has to stand up front. He has to take it all 
he has to, while taking it all, he has to have a plan for the next step, right? And, and that's the thing that's so fascinating as I sit and I listen to you. We've heard that before on these podcasts. We've heard it in a different way from different people in different worlds, but, but they're all saying the same thing. And my mom always told me, when you hear the same thing from different people, it must be right. <laughs> it must yes. be right. So being, we're talking about leadership, you more than anyone knows, being in, a, being, having an opportunity to work in two different academies, this is what I would say is the mecca of leadership. My dad was a military man. And so I grew up with leadership in my household. And so I know what, what, I don't know firsthand, but I know what goes on at the academies. What is that experience like for you? I know you're just starting at Air Force, but you were at Army, you know, you were at West Point. So what is that experience like that's different than being at another university? Well, your daddy must know my daddy because when they interviewed me at West Point and they asked me, did I have military service? I said, no, but if he grew up in my house, <laughs> it was just like him in the military because my father was a former sergeant and that's how he ran our house. So, right. you know, I, I wasn't totally not prepared to go into this role. Um, one of the first things I'll share with you is that I worked for a superintendent. It was General Buster Hagenbeck. And so I, you know, he would sit down and we would talk and um, he would talk to me about leadership. And so I said, what's one of the things that I should take away from this conversation? And he said, he, he looked at me, he said, Kevin, my success has been I walk amongst the troops. And he said, here's what happens. He said, I have colonels that want to be generals that work for me. And so if something's happening, they're not necessarily going to share with me because they don't want me to think that they failed or whatever's happening and they want to be generals. But he said, if I go down and walk amongst the troops, they're going to share with me and tell me what's happening, how it's happening. And then they'll sometimes give me their opinion as well. So then I could come back with my colonels and I could sit down with them and I could start asking them probing questions. And first of all, they said, well, how did he know that? But second yes. of all, I wanted them to know, but I wanted them to be able to come and share with me so we can work on this together so we could have the best possible situation that we can come up with. Um, you know, uh, the other thing is when I was with the Xerox Corporation, and this has been one of my mantras that has helped me with whatever success I've had, but a gentleman told me that you have to inspect what you expect. Yeah. So, you know, you have to look at, ask those probing questions, but you know, you have to go now, you know, you don't have to get down in the weeds, but if you ask enough questions, then you know what your goals and objectives are and what your vision is, and are you moving towards them? So those are some of the things that I've learned. You know, the other thing is, is that um, at one point in time, I thought that uh, I didn't need, I wanted people that were the best and brightest. And I still do, but the thing that I thought that uh, I didn't know was as valuable as it was, was trust and loyalty. And, you know, over these last couple of years, I've been able to see and experience how valuable that is for any leader and for any organization. So, you know, um, going back now, uh, I, I would take somebody who probably was less talented, but I know that I could trust and be a loyal person 
than just coming with somebody who's ambitious and is going to do anything to get to where they want to go. So, you know, I mean, those are some of the lessons that I've learned and quite, you know, I mean, quite recently. So right. uh, those are the things I like to share with you. Great. I, uh, I have the opportunity to work every day with, with Coach Kleiman, our head coach, in my role as assistant head coach. And, you know, I know you've been in, in the seat, as it's called, and, and he always talks about the fact that, you know, when you're in that position of leadership, when, when you're in that place, it can be very lonely, you know, because you spoke on it earlier, everyone will bring you the problems, but not many people are courageous enough to bring you the solutions. So here you are sitting in that seat, everybody's clamoring about the bad choice you made, nobody's giving solutions, um, and, and you are continually expected to make those decisions. And, um, and, and so we always, we always have discussions, good discussions about that, about how important it is as a leader to be strong, to continually uh, get information like you talked about, um, getting information from the colonels, get information uh, from the troops. Uh, I, I'm a big leadership reader and I always read, uh, I've read the book called 360 Degree Leader. And, and you know, that book talks about the fact that leadership comes from anywhere, right? Also read the, the U.S. Army, uh, it's a book that kind of refers quite a bit to the U.S. Army Leadership Manual, a book called Be No Do. And it, it talks about the fact that when you're in battle, right, there's, there's the captain who is designated as the leader. Well, if the captain goes down and the sergeant goes down, now there might be a private who have to take charge, right? But if he hasn't been trained in the fundamentals of leadership, then you got, some, you got something going on that you don't want, right? But if you understand, we all understand leadership and how it works, we all are willing to, if called upon to do it, then you have a, a, a better organization. Everybody's not gonna be in charge, but everybody has to be prepared to have their certain level of leadership. So I want to rewind just a little bit. You talked about, you know, what gives you pleasure. For me as a coach, you know, I talk to player A and, and uh, on game, I talk to him in practice. I talk to him in meetings. And then on game day, I get a chance to, to, to watch it all come together. There's a lot of excitement for me in that way to, to see that all come together, all that planning. Before, or an athletic director, for a guy who is in your seat with different sports as well, what is your game day? What, what is the thing that makes you day after day, what is that thing for you? What gets you hyped? Uh, just seeing the excitement uh, with the young people that we coach and we work with, um, the competition, uh, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why I decided to get back in is because I missed the competition. Uh, you know, and you know, some of my some of my friends that aren't familiar with what we do, um, they just take it as the winning, and then you know, yeah. but it, it's much more than that. It's the mm -hmm. preparation and everything else, and then when you have that success. So one one of my things when I was uh, the athletic director at both schools I was at. Um, 
it was more important for me to go into the locker room after we lost than when we won because it's easy to go in that locker room when you win yes. but it's not that easy to be in there and to have that conversation first of all i wanted everybody to see that you know we're all part of this together and we win together we lose together but you know i'm there for support but i'm going to go back to something you said that's really important where I still see most programs and coaches fail is that they don't have leadership in the locker room. Because most of the time, if you don't have leadership in the locker room and you have to go in and you have to be that leader, you're not going to be successful. So again, Van, I've seen you do it. The development of these players and that you have those leaders in the locker room because they're going to police themselves. I mean, we're talking about 18 to 22 year olds. And so if you don't have somebody in there and when they see somebody not doing the right thing or somebody struggling or whatever, and you don't have anybody to pull them up and say, we're here for you, um, you're not going to you're not going to be successful. Right. Right. And so, you know, that, that, that's what I've been able to see. And that's what I believe I've been able to bring because now you said I, I managed many sports and everything else. So that was my locker room. And the coaches and the staff and everything else uh, were my players. And I needed them to have, and I needed leadership. So, I mean, if something was going on, or I'd have certain people that I knew were my leaders that I didn't have to have that conversation with any, they were gonna go back and they were gonna pull things together. And, and to be quite frank, I've been blessed and so lucky because I've worked with so many great people and they've worked with me. And you know, I'm going back to Air Force to work with one of my, uh, <laughs> one of my pups because he started with me at Oregon State and has been with me every place I've gone and he's been very successful. And you know, I know how he works, he knows how I work, but the common goal is, is that we want to develop people. We want to develop people and give them character. We want them to be great citizens. And then, you know, the byproduct of, we get to play the games and be part of the competition. Yes. Um, you, you, you talked about that, that locker room, right? And, and, you know, being a former player, and actually when you're in that locker room, when you're the player, you don't understand how important it is that that you understand and that your coaches give you the team, right? Because if, if you have a coach-led team, you're not gonna be as successful. There are some great coach-led teams, right? But it, it's very difficult because the coach has to drive the bus. The coach has to, he has to have a mechanism to repair everything. He has, a he has to have a mechanism to lift people's spirits. He has a very difficult a coach-led organization, but when you have a player-led organization, when you have an organization where the players are speaking the same language, because it's tough, right? Uh, we're a little bit older than the players we coach. And so there's a, there's, I always say, there's like two radios going, right? There's that line of communication that's happening above the board when the coaches are in the meeting rooms talking. And then there's another level of communication it's when the players make eye contact. It's when they smile at each other. It's when they wink. There's another level of communication that is going on. Well, if the same messages are not being delivered on both of those radios, you got problems, you know? And I've been, unfortunately, I, I've seen those programs where there's two, two distinctly different things happening 
<laughs> on the airwaves, right? The successful programs, the winning, the, the truly winning programs are the ones where those messages are the same on both radios. So I know you've had an opportunity to put together staffs. You've had an opportunity to hire people. What are some things that as you, as you, especially now that you're back in the arena, but as you decide on people, on coaches, on staff members for, for your programs, what, what, are, what are the characteristics that you're looking for as you, as you choose those people? So Van, hold that thought because you know I've gotten older and sometimes I forget, but I wanna go back to something you said. So our game of football, it's most important. Well, when I played and there was maybe 110 people on the team and you were limited with coaches, you had to have that kind of leadership in the locker room. Yes. Nowadays, y'all have 20, 30, 40 people on the staff. So, yeah. right. <laughs> but, but right. I mean, very difficult, even with the limitations of numbers, to be able to you know manage and lead all those folks. So you, you do need that, particularly in our game of football. But you know, um, one of the things I always wanted people on my staff, I wanted them to be better than me. Um, and how I explain it, it's just like the orchestra conductor might not be the best musician, but he hears the music and he knows when to bring in the strings. He knows when to bring in the brass. He knows when to bring them all in together. And those better conductors have that ear for the music and they know how to bring it all together so you have that harmonization and that wonderful tune that you're looking for. So, you know, that's been my approach and that's what my philosophy is in, in doing that. Now, the one thing I'll go back to again is um, I've been very fortunate and I've worked with a lot of great people and a lot of the people have worked with me have now gone on and they're leaders in our industry. Um, and the ones who have been successful and moved on, uh, again, it was able to trust them and they were loyal and that we shared the big picture together and that we we're all going to move forward. And we won together, we lost together, uh, we cried together, we laughed together. And again, I mean, Dan, this whole thing is you spend more time with your coaching staff and coaches than you do your family. Yes. So the other part of this, and I've been able to see this, is I've been able to see and talk to people about how they are fathers, how they are husbands, and seeing that. Because if they're not good at that, then they're not going to be good at the other things. And the other thing is that you have to have a partner that understands our business and wants to be part of it. Because I've seen people who've had great support systems at home, and then I've seen people and they've had significant others that didn't like what they were doing. Uh, it took away from them. And so now the pressure is so great because the pressure at the job to be successful and then trying to be good at home. And if you don't have somebody who's going to champion you at home, uh, it's hard to be successful on the field and in the locker room. Yeah, you, uh, and, and this is kind of a, a, a almost a funny aside to that, uh, but, but I totally agree that uh, having the support of, of your partner um, goes a long way. Uh, having the support of your family, because 
you know, I, I'm fortunate at Kansas State. One of my sons is on the team, and and he's also a cornerback. So I get an opportunity to coach him, and I think that's a that's a great blessing that I've that I've been uh, that's been bestowed upon me because I've missed a whole lot of basketball games, and I've missed a whole lot of soccer games, and I've missed a whole lot of uh, things that have happened at at school, and and so that's like a way I believe God has given me an opportunity to, to be a part of my son's life uh, because I've raised a lot of other people's kids yes. on the way. Um, but um, like I said, a funny aside, uh, I was coaching at Texas A&M and of course I played at Texas. And so uh, one of my sons, you know, they, they, the time we were at Texas A&M, they were really young. So they had no clue really about, you know, dad's history as a player. It wasn't, wasn't a part of their world. So uh, we are getting ready to play Texas on, on Saturday. And I was at home and uh, I was in the bathroom and my son knocked on the bathroom door. I said, yeah, what do you need? He said, I need to talk to you real quick. <laughs> I said, all right. So he comes into the restroom, he said, hey dad, I just wanted to let you know, it's gonna be really important that you beat the Longhorns, you know that, right? <laughs> and I said, uh, okay. Uh, he said, I, no, I, I'm serious about this. He said, cause some of my, a couple of my friends have said that we're not gonna win this game. So, so you, you really, you know, you're gonna have to go out and smash them, right? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so uh, there's pressure. There's there's pressure outside and in, and uh, it's important. You know, seriously, it's important that you know that your family is behind. You know, all that you do because, like you said earlier, in this world that we live in, uh, you're away from home uh, quite a bit of time, which which leads into the fact that um, you know. It's so important. I always say that that I I do what I do. I know my purpose. My purpose is to change the world through sports. That's my purpose. And and, and I didn't. I don't have to be earth shattering. But over when I die, some people are going to come to my funeral and they're going to say he did it. They're going to say he he did it. He did. He changed the world because he changed me. He changed the world because he changed that guy. He changed the world because he helped this person. He changed the world because of my experience, my interaction with him. And, and I believe that this world that you and I live in is the greatest place to be able to do that because we, we can reach, we can touch so many sectors of, of our society uh, while we play this great game. You know, we're playing the game, but we're changing the world behind the scenes. Got one final question, uh, and and this question causes you to reflect, right? You you talk to as you reflect. You need to talk to the young Kevin Anderson. What would you tell that bright young man if you could talk to him today? What would you tell him? Well, if I may take the opportunity to go back to what you were talking about, because I, I I'm with you. So my daughters and my son had 583 other brothers and sisters when we worked in the athletic department. 
And um, I, I share this with a lot of up and coming people and um, having them think about this. So I've had a couple negative experiences and one was at the University of Maryland. And so um, I learned in my son, my 13 year old son who's sitting on the couch with me, we're watching a football game and on the bottom of the scroll says, Kevin Anderson has been removed from the athletic director at the University of Maryland. And he looked at me, uh, he was very upset. And that, you know, why didn't you share this with me and this, that, and other. See, and it was all right for them to come at me, but it wasn't okay for them to come at my child. And at that time I realized, you know, how it impacted my family even more so than me and my young 13 year old who, you know, didn't understand any of this, but now he's losing all those brothers and sisters. Yes. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this tonight, you know, there's much more to think about than just yourself. Van, uh, you know, this has never been a job for me. It's like I said, it's been a ministry, but you know, to be honest with you, and don't tell my wife I said this, I would do this and you didn't have to pay me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I say the same thing and, and you better not tell my wife, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I tell folks that, you know, if you think this is nine to five and whatever, then you need to go to the bank and get a job so you could go there at nine and leave at five. Yes. But there's much more to this than this. Um, you know, here's what I see now that really concerns me. And if I look back at this, um, I really got into this because so many people impacted my life. And, you know, I could have gone in many different directions, but by the grace of God, he put people in my life who sent me on that path where I've been able to experience all this and that they've touched my life and hopefully I've been able to touch other people's lives. But if you're getting into this for position, power, or money, you're in the wrong job. And there's many people out there now that are, are, are in our business for the wrong reasons. And you know, some of what I look at is there's some people out there that have never been in the locker room. They don't know what it is to be uh, in the arena and go through the battle. There's many people uh, in our industry that don't understand or take the time to understand the different young people that we bring to campus and that many of them's experience is different than their teammates. And if you don't understand that and you bring them to your campus and you don't provide them the tools to adjust and to be productive young people, then you're failing them. And again, you don't belong in this business because the best, we're gonna go back and talk about the best leaders the best coaches are able to take people from diverse communities and bring them together and have one common goal. And to have them understand that and to understand that differences are great if you put them in the right perspective and you use that energy in a positive direction. Um, no telling what could be done. You know, and the, the thing that I'm looking at in, in our society now that if you took what we do in sport, I mean, 
we do a better job than anybody else of bringing people together that are different and look different than us. And we still have a long way to go. But you know, I mean, uh, what I found, and I'll leave you with this, and you know, this could, well, th this is somewhat of a sad commentary too. I walk into events, I walk into parties and everything else, and if people know me or they don't know me, but somebody introduces to them to me, they all wanna talk about what I do, the sport and everything else. But you know, unless a friend is talking with a friend and they're in different industries, there's no other place that you could go that people just wanna gravitate and, and talk to you about what we do. That's the great thing, uh, but it, it's also the curse. So, you know, um, I, I'll just say one word uh, to answer your question because I was all around it. Uh, be authentic. And when I interview folk and I tell them that, you know, whatever they say in that interview and they get the job, and if they're not that person, somewhere down the right line, some said, well, you know, when we first talked, <laughs> you, you didn't say that or you weren't that yes. person. And that's how many of us find ourselves getting into some difficulty because we weren't authentic and we weren't the person that we initially were sitting down and communicating and talking to the people. Wow, man, listen, as I, as I go back through all the things that we've talked about, uh, amazing. And, and I, I feel like uh, we've been so blessed to have the opportunity to, to be with you. I feel like of course, the, the, the players and coaches, the student athletes and coaches at Air Force uh, will be continually blessed as they have the opportunity to be around you. Uh, Kevin, again, thank you for, for your time. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited for you uh, to get back into the arena, especially at this time when we need leaders like you. Uh, uh, definitely want to look at getting you back on. Uh, we'll talk about some name, image, likeness. We'll talk about uh, how many millions of dollars these student athletes have have uh, grabbed up uh, with with this? But again, thank you. And uh, man, I'm, uh, anything I can ever do to help you, you know, you know, I'm right there. Hey, Van, thank you. I love you, brother. You know, and uh, you know, you're my brother in Christ, and we share something every each and every day. And you know, that's that means a lot to me. So you know, uh, I'm gonna watch you continue to be successful because God is certainly gonna bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you.